Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice, the psalmist says. Oh, that today I would hearken to his voice, that we would hearken to his voice. Uh, The Old Testament lesson, Exodus 17, and the psalm, Psalm 95, are in juxtaposition to uh, the gospel reading, in, in contrast to the gospel reading in John 4. Israel in the wilderness does not heed the word of the Lord. The Samaritan woman at the well does. Israel drinks from the water, drinks the water from the rock. She is nourished naturally, yet spiritually remains parched. Israel in the wilderness uh, gluttonously hungered for meat. They thirsted for water, but they did not often hunger and thirst for righteousness. Psalm 106 says that Israel lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he, that is God, gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. So the psalmist is saying that their bellies were full, but their souls were empty. As an aside, this is not the main point of the sermon. This is a deleted scene, a bonus feature, if you will, on the DVD uh, or Blu-ray, if you guys remember those. Everything's digital now, right? When our desires are disordered, when we want the things of this world, I mean, even, even the good things of this world, like food and drink, things w- which we need, but when we have an intemperate love of and desire for worldly things and are bereft of a desire of and for the things of God, then the Lord not giving us what we want. So when our desires are disordered, they're not in alignment with the principles and precepts that we find in Scripture with the nature and character of God. When our desires are disordered, then God not giving us what we want, not giving us what we ask for, is mercy. And God giving us what we want is judgment. That's what happened with Israel. All right, you don't want me? You don't trust me? All right. I'm going to give you what you want, but you're not going to like it. The woman at the well, in contrast to Israel in the Old Testament, uh, though she leaves her water pot behind, verse 28, look at it. She doesn't end up taking any water back with her after this long conversation about drinking. She doesn't take any water with her. But though she didn't end up retrieving any water from Jacob's well, she walks away quenched. She walks away satisfied in heart and soul because she has drank from the well of life. 
She has drank of the living water. Uh, A lengthy gospel reading this morning, in case you didn't notice. Angela's standing there, okay, is he almost done? And I'm like, no, I'm not almost done. But there's a lot here. This is a a rich passage. And and this is a passage that I've been drawn to for a long time, personally. Uh, For over 25 years, you know, it was about 26 years ago that I began seriously studying the Bible, began actually uh, teaching Scripture to others, and uh, been always fascinated and drawn to John chapter 4. There's so much here. And so as we go through this briefly, uh, I'm likely going to neglect elements of the text uh, that you think I should address. You know, this is so important. I can't believe he didn't say anything about X, Y, or Z. Well, you know, I can't believe it either. Uh, But given that we are in Lent, uh, I think given where our culture is and given, hopefully, uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit uh, in my time of preparation for this sermon, I'm going to be laser-focused on the repentance and transformation of the woman at the well. Because her life is completely changed and transformed, and God uses her to bring many people to the Lord Jesus. And we know, as we're going to see, we know this from Scripture, John 4, as well as tradition, the impact that she had on the world. Jesus offers her living water, which is an offer of salvation. It's an offer of life in the Spirit. In John 3, the text we were in last week, Jesus speaks of being born of water and the Spirit. Wells in Scripture and the water in them uh, sustain life, not just in Scripture. I mean, in the natural, quite literally, wells and water represent life. We cannot live without water. Spiritually speaking, Wells symbolize life in the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is all throughout the Bible. One example, let's just stick with the Apostle John, since we're spending a lot of time with him this morning. In Revelation 22:1, this Trinitarian image, uh, John writes, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, Proceeding from the throne of God, that's the Father, and the Lamb, that's the Son. So this river of life in the new city, in the new heavens and earth, is an image of the Spirit. And the image of God's presence that's going to permeate the whole of the cosmos when Jesus comes to return, uh, when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead. So Jesus offers her this living water, says, You'll never thirst again. And the woman at the well at first, uh, much like Nicodemus when Jesus is talking about being born again, uh, you know, Nicodemus, it's, it's kind of funny. He's trying to work out, uh, I don't know, the physics or the geometry of how he as a grown man is going to be born all over again in a natural way. Well, the, the woman doesn't get it uh, at the well. 
uh, doesn't get it at first anyway. She, you know, she says, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So, you know, Jesus, this sounds great. If it's a pain to come all the way out here to draw water, if you could just install the, the Coke freestyle machine at my house, that would be much more convenient. He offers her living water, and it's crucial to note what Jesus does next. I actually think it's the most important thing for us to note here today is that he calls her to repentance. So Jesus seeks her out. You can go back and read verse 4, which is just outside her pericope. Jesus, the text said that he needed to go to Samaria. This was a divine appointment. He came to redeem and restore this woman, and by extension, this town, and by extension, uh, all the nations of the earth. For the Samaritans were not Jews. They were not a part of God's people according to the flesh. So he seeks her out to redeem and restore her, and therefore he, albeit winsomely, I think Jesus does it with with tact, He confronts her, does he not? Jesus calls her to repentance. She says, give me the living water. He says, well, wait a second. Go call your husband. She says, I I don't have a husband. He says, well, you answered right. You've had five husbands. And the one you're living with now is not your husband. Which even in 2023, I think would be quite scandalous. If one had been married five, five times, and then, you know, is, is on number six, cohabitating. Imagine in first century uh, Israel how scandalous this would have been. I mean, number one, because the woman says, well, first of all, I can't even believe you as a Jew are talking to me, a Samaritan woman, because the Jews hated the Samaritans. And, you know, it, there was no love loss either way. And Jesus is engaging this woman with a troubled path, but he speaks to her uh, the truth as the truth in order that she might be set free by the truth. Because the reality is, I mean, you could say that John chapter 4 is repent and believe the gospel in narrative form. And you have to have both. To, To drink from the living water You must stop drawing from the well of this world, from the well of your passions and sinful desires. You've got to leave your water pots behind. Said another way, we cannot be healed by the great physician if we're unwilling to hear the diagnosis. If we're, un, if we're unwilling to come to terms with our own brokenness, with our own need for a Savior. Yet many, you know, throughout history, and I think especially today, uh, want the benefits of following Jesus without actually following him. Or even worse, uh, instead of following Jesus, I think oftentimes what we can do, though we might not ever say this, 
is that we're asking Jesus to follow us. Lord, we want you to adjust to our new morality. I think there's some who would, who would read this text today and read it this way and would say, how dare Jesus shame this woman, right, for exercising her, her sexual freedom. Jesus isn't shaming her. Jesus is calling her out of death into life. The light shines in the darkness, and this woman receives it wholeheartedly. She says, come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Our Lord says in, in various places throughout the Gospels, he says, repent and believe the gospel. And those are two sides of the same coin. You cannot have one without the other. Because if you believe the gospel, then there has been a change of mind. That's what repentance means in the Greek, is a change of the noose, which is by definition repentance. If you're following Jesus, now to get to the, the Hebrew meaning of repentance, which is to change paths, if you're following Jesus, then you have started on a new path. You've left the broad road. And this too, by definition, is repentance. The Samaritan woman is a type of the church. She's a symbol of the church in this text. Uh, the, the people of God in both Testaments are envisioned as, talked about as, what? A bride. A wife. And in the Old Testament, uh, Israel is often described as a bride which has been unfaithful to her husband, who is the Lord. And that's about as mild as I can put it. You want, go read the minor, pro, go read Hosea if you want to get some spicy stuff about what God has to say uh, about uh, Israel and her idol worship and her unfaithfulness to her, her Lord and Redeemer. It's rated R for sure. The Samaritans, uh, the Gentiles, are through Christ called into and brought into the family of God, becoming members of Christ's church, the bride of Christ, which is Christ's body, for as man and woman become one flesh in holy matrimony, so does the church become one with Christ, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Samaritans were not Jews, even though they had some connection ethnically, uh, they were not considered Israelites by those in Judea at all. In fact, they were Israel's enemies. And John writes this in the prologue of his gospel, the first chapter. Uh, he says of Jesus that he was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. 
Listen to this. He came to his own. So he came to his people according to the flesh. And his own did not receive him. How much controversy is there in the gospel? Where are things the hottest for Jesus? In, in Jerusalem. It's where the most conflict is. He came to his own, and his own did receive him. But this is where we see the inclusion of the whole world in the family of God, should they come to knowledge of Jesus Christ through faith. He goes on to write, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. This woman becomes a child of God. The Samaritan woman received the light of the world. Though she was not a part of God's family according to the flesh, she nevertheless in and through Christ became a daughter of God. She was transformed by the light into a light of the world. God used her, her transformation to transform the lives of others. She is then this type, this symbol of the gospel going to the Gentiles, to all the nations of the world. So she receives the light, and she becomes the light, pointing to the light. An early tradition gives us her name. Her name is Fotini, which means enlightened one. According to this tradition, St. Fotini was, after the resurrection of our Lord, baptized into the church, baptized into Christ. After which she went to Carthage with her five daughters and her two sons. She went there to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to continue the work that she had begun, begun here in John chapter 4. She was then under the emperor Nero, if you know anything about Nero, not exactly friendly to Christian people. She was martyred. She was killed under the emperor Nero. And this will blow your, blow your mind. You'll never guess how she was killed. Nero threw her down a well. In John 4, and at the end of her life, she enters life. She meets glory itself at a well. Brothers and sisters, we are in the wilderness of this world. We're in the desert. We're in an arid place like St. Fotini. We're in this season of Lent, and our Lord is offering us living water. Will we continue to drink of the well of this world, or will we, afresh, repent and believe the gospel? Which way will we go, that of Exodus 17 or that of John 4? Brothers and sisters, will we today heed the voice of the Lord? Will we heed the word of the Lord? which is Christ himself. Oh, that today we would hearken to his voice.